Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the Fires of Revival podcast. I am your host, Colton Prater, and I pray today's episode will be a help and an encouragement to you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with others. And now for the episode. I hope all of you are doing well today that are listening. And if you have your Bible, we will be in Romans chapter 1, continuing in our series, the one we've been in the last three or four weeks or so. We're continuing up. We're picking up the story here, or the chapter here in verses 11 through 15. So we'll be looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 11 through 15 on this day here, on this Thursday, the day this episode airs. But as I've been doing occasionally one of these episodes, I've been bringing up previous interviews that I've done in the past, just kind of highlighting those and encouraging if you haven't gone back and listened to them to go check it out. Because really over these last few months, we've gained a lot of new listeners on the podcast, those who really just joined a couple months ago that weren't here for the beginning like some of you have been faithfully doing, and I'm grateful for that. But for those of you that are newer, maybe this is your first time listening, or you've been listening for a month, or even just two months, or even maybe even the last year, I'm not sure. But it was a little over a year ago, I did an interview with Pastor Kerry Schmidt up in Newington, Connecticut. And I would encourage you to go check out that episode. It came out a little over a year ago, I believe it was June or July of last year, of 2021. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to that interview where we talked about the gospel and its impact in our life and how that it's more than just something that's a get-a-jail-free card sending us to heaven, but that it's something that changes our life and works to sanctify us after salvation and helps us to live the life that God wants us to. Kind of like what we talked about in verse 1 of chapter 1 in Romans here. But we just talk about that, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you, and I would hope you'd check that out if you haven't. And if you have checked that out and you're listening today, I would encourage you to send that episode to someone. Uh, share that link and just get the word out on that interview and just let people know about it. I believe it'll be a help to you. Not my words, but the words that Carrie Schmidt shared to the Holy Spirit there, I believe, will be a help to you. But Romans chapter 1, let's see here. We'll look at verses 11 through 15. And again, if you're listening, which would be any of you here tuning in, if you haven't read chapter 1 in Romans, I would highly, highly, highly beg of you to read that chapter. I'm not giving you homework. I'm not a, your teacher, so to say, so to speak here although we are doing some Bible teaching, but I would encourage you to read that chapter because if you don't read it, it's the verses I'm talking about, they won't carry as much of an impact as they would because when you read the whole picture, the whole chapter, get the picture as a whole, when we look at each portion within it, it'll make more sense keeping the whole in mind. So I would challenge you, go read verses 1 in chapter 1 all the way through verse 32. It's only 32 verses. That's the makeup of chapter 1. You can knock it out in just a few minutes and challenge each of you listening today to read Romans chapter 1 and think of our nation, think of the parallels of how that uh, Paul is writing to the Christians at Rome, uh, the Christians who were at a very dark secular age, a very dark age with all kinds of false gods where Christianity is illegal and just being known as a Christian could threaten your life and you could be killed and tortured and things like that. A very um, anti, anti-God, antagonistic culture. And really, it's starting to slowly, more and more, as the days go on, describe the America that we live in today and the other countries that are listening as well, very similar to your uh, structure in your country, and you're going through very similar stuff. So it is describing what Second Timothy 3 tells us, that you know things are going to get worse and worse. And Romans chapter 1 kind of gives us the recipe on how to live when those days get worse and worse. But enough rambling on that. Let's go ahead and jump into the lesson. So we'll be reading verses 11 through 15. And if you have your Bible open, I would encourage you to follow along. If not, if you're not able to, I get that. Just listen. 
But verses 11 through 15 say, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So a lot to unpack, and we'll break it down here, I promise, verse by verse, all five verses. And you may be thinking, well, the rate we've been going, it'll take you, you know, 30 minutes to cover these five verses, but I promise you it won't take that long. But let's jump in here, verse 11, let's break it down. So verse 11, I'll read it, and again, even though we just read the verses, but I'll read it separately by itself. But it says, Therefore I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that you may be established. So Paul, basically what he's saying is he's itching to see the people at Rome. He said, I haven't seen you guys. You know, I've only heard about your faith. And I am ready to see you guys ready to come and minister and be a help to the churches that are there at Rome and just make a difference, pour myself into you guys. And he's really excited. He's itching to go see him. But as we see there in that verse, and we'll see here in a few minutes, the other verses, that he keeps getting sidetracked. The Lord keeps sending things along that he has to attend to, and then it takes him longer and longer. But he says, I want to get to you guys, and I want to make a difference. And he doesn't just say, I want to get to you guys, you know, so I can hang out and do whatever. But he says in verse 11, he says, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. So he's saying, look, I want to come, but I don't just want to come and relax. I want to come and begin working with you and imparting the spiritual truths that God has taught me to you. And he says, again, in verse 11, he says that you may be established. He's saying, I want to do this so that you can be established, so that you can grow in your walk with God, grow in your Christian life, grow in your faith. And I want to go there so I can help point you in the direction, show you the things the Lord has taught me so that you can walk in the way that God wants you to walk. So the application to us in that verse simply is this. And it's this. Pour what the Lord has taught you into other people. Just like Paul here. He, the Lord had taught him many things. If you study his other letters, the book of Acts, you see that Paul went you know, from Saul to Paul. He got saved. The Lord worked in his life. His faith grew and grew and grew. And he began to plant churches and God used him. And he was sharing the things that he learned and the things God taught him with other people. And who are you sharing that with? Now, to do that, that doesn't mean you need to be some Bible scholar or I can't do it because I'm not a preacher or, you know, a Bible college professor or, you know, some great theologian. No. The Bible says that anyone can be a teacher of the Word of God. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And each of us, no matter what our occupation is, we are called to rightly divide the Word of Truth, meaning we should be able to read the Bible, understand it, know how to apply it to our lives, and know how to apply it to the lives of others and sharing with people what things we have learned. Now, you may not be a scholar, you may not be the other things I described, a preacher or whatever, but each of us knows something. Now, others will know, obviously, more than some of us will, and other people will know more than those people, and so on, and the latter chain of command follows there with people in their scripture knowledge. But each of us listening today hopefully knows something. And you don't have to be an expert to be able to share the Bible with someone. You don't have to think, well, I can't, you know, teach someone the Bible or help someone be discipled or grow until I have you know, achieved X amount of Bible knowledge. No. The Bible says that we are to share with others what we have learned. He says in 2 Timothy 2, 2, that we are to be able to teach others also. And that's the calling of the Christian, is we are to find someone who knows less than you and mentor them. 
I'm sure each of us know someone, maybe a, a newer believer, maybe they're a year or two younger than you. Pour yourself into that. You know a few more things than they do. You're not an expert, obviously, but you definitely know more than that person does, more than likely. So pour yourself into them. Share with them the things you've learned. Now, you're also probably thinking, well, does that mean I have to go study some theology course and get this you know, 365-day discipleship course ready and this 52-week lesson plan? No. All we have to do is share with others what God has taught us. And if you're faithfully reading your Bible, praying, being in church when you can, serving the Lord anytime the doors are open, any kind of opportunity you get, then chances are the Lord is teaching you things. He's revealing himself to you. He's separating you under the purpose that he'd have for you, and he's showing you things. And if he is, and if you're doing those things, I guarantee you he is, then share that with other people. Because that's what God, he doesn't just give you something so you to hold it inside of you and let it sit and sulk and sour. No, he pours things into us so that we can take it and pour it into other people and share it with other people. It's like taking a picture. You have an empty pitcher, and let's imagine that me and you listening today, we're the pitchers. And you pour water in that glass pitcher or plastic or whatever it is. You pour the water in it. Now, with that water just sitting in the pitcher, what good is it doing? By itself, it's doing nothing. It's just sitting there holding in water. And when we are just soaking in Bible knowledge and Bible facts and Bible truths and not doing anything about it, that's what we're like. We're just sitting there with all this water that can make a difference and you're doing nothing. But we're to take that pitcher, just like you would take a pitcher of water, and you take it, you fill it up. It's empty, you fill it with water. And then you take it over and you pour it in water, water the plants, water some shrubs, water your garden, or whatever the case may be. And now suddenly that pitcher is being used. And then you take it back to the source, fill it up some more, and then you take it back out, pour it where it needs to go in the plants and the flowers and so forth. The Bible says that that is what we are to be like. We're to be poured into with God's Word by listening to the Spirit, yielding to Him, and letting the Lord teach us. But then we're to take it and pour that into other people. And then we go back to the Lord. He fills us up again. And then we go back and empty ourselves, pour ourselves out to others. And we're to follow that same method. And you're still thinking, well, how do I do that? I got to thinking about that. And the simplest thing I could think of that helps me and helped other people is just share with others what you got in your devotions. Because as Christians, we're commanded to read the Scriptures, so you should be reading it every day, I hope. We'll share with people something. Maybe the Lord showed you a little nugget that morning when you were reading your Bible or the other day he showed you some truth in you know, whatever book of the Bible or whatever chapter you're in at that moment. Share it with someone. Don't just keep it to yourself. Now, you may think, well, that's kind of awkward walking up to someone and saying, hey, let me show you what I got for my Bible. And I'll admit it is a little awkward at first. But the more and more you do it, the more comfortable it gets and the easier it gets. And just try that. Just share with people what God has showed you. You don't have to preach a sermon at him. You can just say, hey, I just want to show you this, man. Look, I was reading the book of Acts today, chapter 12, verse, you know, and the Lord showed to me verses 7 and 9. They jumped out to me. I don't know what those verses are off the top of my head. They just kind of used them there. And I just want to share with you these verses and some things God taught me. And just take, you know, two, take a minute or two and share with people. That is a form of discipleship, a form of pouring yourself into others like what Paul is saying there in verse 11 so that they could be established. And you can do that to help establish other Christians. Now let's look at verse 12. Verse 12 says that is, so he's building off of pouring into people and ministering there to the church at Rome. He says, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So he's saying, look guys, he's saying, hey, we have a mutual faith. He said, the same faith that saved you is the same faith that saved me. And we've hit on this point several times in our series in Romans chapter one. And that's one of the key points to remember is that all of us who are saved are saved to the same faith. He says, and I believe it was 1 Corinthians, you know, some of you think you're saved of the faith of Apollos and some of the faith of Paul and 
Cephas, and he gives different people's names. He says, you know, but we're saved unto Christ. And those of you that are listening that are believers, we are all saved by the same faith, and that's the faith of Jesus Christ. He's the one who saves us, not ourselves, not our works. And once we get saved, we're not saved unto a certain clique or a certain group, but we are saved unto the King of kings and Lord of lords, and that is Jesus Christ. But these people had a mutual faith, and it was common. He says there in that verse, he says, That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So he's saying, look, there's a mutual faith. People know about you guys. And, you know, we have that same faith, just like the people even that we don't like. Now, I'm not saying Paul didn't like the church at Rome, because I believe he did, or he wouldn't be writing this letter and being as kind as he was. But... Even the people that we don't like, if they're a believer, we are of the same faith. We're of a mutual faith. And that's something that's important to remember. We need to get over the fact that we get upset at people. And that's guilty. I'm pointing a finger at myself saying this, that I'm guilty of that. And each of us are. But we are to put that aside and realize that there is a mutual faith, that both of us are on the same team. It doesn't make sense in a basketball game, you know, to start, I would say, blaming your own teammates. But we do that a lot of times. But, you know, to say, well, everything's their fault. And, and really, you're just taking it out of your, your teammates, if you're using that as an example, and you're just bullying up on them or whatever. That's not what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to be lifting up your teammates. It doesn't make sense to shoot your own teammates down and to do that. But we do that often in the Christian life, don't we? We want to beat up on other Christians, talk about them, say this and that, and you know, each of us, we're thinking right now in our heads, you know, that, that's me. And that's myself speaking too. We're all guilty of it. But it's something we need to work on. We need to realize that it's a mutual faith, that yeah, I may not like them, but God saved them as well, and we're on the same team, the same family, and I need to get over myself and learn to like them, like Paul is saying there, with the mutual faith. But let's look here in Psalm 133.1. We'll come back to Romans chapter 1, but on the same point, Psalm 133.1, this fact of unity of a mutual faith with Psalm 133 and verse number 1. And in verse 1 it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He's saying it's a pleasant thing, it's a wonderful thing for God to look at believers and say, You know what? There's unity there. They get along. They're peacemakers. They're people that want to serve me. They want to work together. They're not worried about the friction and trying to fight each other. But they get along, and that's what they do. And he says it's pleasant, and it's wonderful, and it's a beautiful thing to see brothers serving together. They're on the same team, so you might as well serve together. And it says that that's something that we were supposed to do in Psalm 133. And then we see that truth played out for us there in verse 12 where he says that by the mutual faith, both of you and me, and Paul says, I'm comforted by it. I'm comforted in the fact of knowing that we're both saved or both on the winning side or both on the winning team and both of us can get along and work together. Now let's look at verse 13. It says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. So Paul, he basically, again, he's itching to see them. He's saying, he said that in verse 11, that he was ready to get to the guys. He's ready to get to the people at Rome and minister to them. And he's basically saying the same thing again in verse 13. He says, I I'm desirous to get there so that I can see some fruit among you guys, so I can pour into you the things God has taught me and help make a difference in your life and point you to Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I'm excited and I just want to do it. But he says there in parentheses, but was let hitherto. Meaning, he says he was trying to, but every time he tried, there was always a disturbance. There was always something that came up that slowed him down. A divine disturbance, if you will. And God does that to us. We try to do something, we want to do it in our own time, but God sends things to slow us down, 
to keep us from getting there. Because he says, you know what? That's what I want you to do, but not now. Give it some time. Let, let it wait. Let me prepare you. Let me work in your life. Let me mold you into the person I want you to be during this waiting period. And then I'll send you off to go do the mission, do the thing that I want you to do and that you're wanting to do as well. Now, with that in mind, let's look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So in that, he describes several people. He describes the Greeks, the barbarians, the wise, and the unwise. And in Rome, that pretty much was what everyone was. They were either a barbarian or they had the mindset of, and obviously they're Romans, so that would be what they were. But what he means by Greeks and barbarians is he's referring to the culture. He's referring to the mindset they had. Because if you know anything about ancient Greek, Greece at that time, the Greeks were very learned people, very knowledgeable. They were very wise people. But those that were barbarians were not. So he's saying that I am debtor both basically to the wise, the unwise. Then he says it again there, both to the wise and to the unwise. So he's describing the different types of people. He's saying, you know, those of you that think you're the smartest, you know, you're white collar people, if you will, today. He says, I'm debtor to you. And then those that are wise, those that aren't, those that are unwise, he says, I'm also debtor to you. Now, what is he debtor of? What, why does he owe them something? And what does he owe them something? What does he owe, if you will? If I can keep without getting tongue twisted there. But what does he owe them? And we'll see here in a minute in verse 15. I'll go ahead and tell you now. But he owes them the gospel. And we'll see this and how it so in verse 15. But he says, I, I owe you guys the gospel. He said, the same saving power that changed my life and made a difference in me and set me going on a path from killing Christians to now helping propagate Christianity. He says, I am a debtor to you. I owe the gospel to everyone. I owe it to the wise and the unwise, the Greeks the barbarians, the Romans, the Jews, everyone. He said, I owe the gospel, and that is my life's mission, is to give the gospel to as many people as possible. And you know, for us, that's the application for us today. That's what we're supposed to be doing, is we're debtors to everyone, because the gospel has been given to us, been given to me, and I've accepted it, and it's been given to you, and hopefully you've accepted it as well, listener. But once we've accepted it, we are now a debtor. And that doesn't mean if we don't pay back this debt, we're going to go to hell. That's not the case. If we're saved, we're always saved. But the Bible says that there should be a desire in us of this debt we have to pay back of giving the gospel to other people. Because we don't want other people to miss out on the things that we were shared with. Because what if the person who gave you the gospel decided not to give it to you? If that was the case, all of us listening that are saved would be on our way to hell. And it was because someone shared the gospel with us that we got saved. So who are you sharing it with? Who are you giving the gospel to? But it's our calling to reach all of them. Paul said, I'm a debtor to everyone. He said, I owe the gospel to everyone, especially here at Rome, talking about that. But we all owe the gospel to a lot of people, and that's what we're supposed to do. If you heard a horn there, that was a train nearby, by the way. But we are to reach all people, and it's God's mission for us to evangelize the lost. Now go with me to Romans chapter 15. We're going to go back to Romans 1, but Romans chapter 15. I want to show you a few verses here. So at the, towards the end of the letter in Romans 15, so towards the end of the book. And in chapter 15, verses 19, or verses 19 through 21, it says there, uh, Through many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Elysium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. So he says there, I like that phrase he gives in verse 20. He says, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named. He says, Look, I want to go where people haven't gone. I want to go where the gospel isn't, and I'm going to share the gospel, that good news, with those people. And he says, That's the calling 
in our lives. That's the calling in your life, the calling in my life, is to give the good news to everyone we come in contact with and to share that news with other people, that life-changing power of Jesus Christ. So we saw in verse 1 where it says, Paul, back in chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. So we know that the gospel was a part of his identity, and now in verse 15 he's saying, you know, I'm a debtor to it. I owe the gospel to those I come in contact with, and so do we. Now lastly, let's look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So we see here, so building off of verse 14, so keeping verse 14 that he is a debtor in mind, he's saying now that he is ready. He says, I'm ready to go to Rome. I've waited long enough. Now is the chance, and I'm coming to Rome, and I'm giving the gospel. I'm pouring my life into you guys. I'm discipling. I'm mentoring. I'm doing the things that God wants me to do, and I'm doing it there in Rome. And for us, we're to be ready always to give the gospel, just like Paul was. We are to be ready to do so. And you see, Paul, he had been faithful in the other fields. He'd been at Ephesus. He had been at Philippi, all these different fields, planted churches. And he's saying, you know what? Now I'm headed to Rome. Now that's the next task. And each of us, hopefully, we've been faithful in the tasks that God has called us. And maybe you have a certain thing that you're wanting to do or a certain thing that you believe the Lord is leading you to do. Well, maybe you're not doing it right now. Maybe you're waiting on God. But you can be faithful in the tasks that you have now. And when God does open the door, you as Paul can say in verse 15, you could say, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel, that I am ready to go, I'm ready to jump in and go to this place and do what God wants me to do. So the question is, who are you burdened to reach? Paul, yes, he was at other places, but ultimately we know that he was burdened to go to Rome, according to this book here in chapter 1. And we'll see in other verses where he's mentioning that, you know, I'm ready to go to you guys, as the verses we just read. But later on he says that, you know, he's again, he's itching to go. He's just ready to do this and to go to Rome, and he's ready to reach those people. So who are you burdened to reach? Who are you wanting to see one for the gospel of Christ? Who are you wanting to give the gospel to? Paul was ready, and God had prepared him. So the question is, are you ready? Are you letting God's preparation make a difference in your life, or are you just rejecting it? So in closing here, I'm going to read verses 14 and 15, because they're really the key to these verses, I guess, like the key text for it. But in verses 14 and 15, it says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day and I ask that you use this podcast episode to make a difference, Father. And use the Bible teaching here in Romans chapter 1, specifically the five verses that we just looked at. And ask that you just use it to make a difference in the lives of the listeners. Help uh, this Bible teaching line upon line just to help shape them into the man or woman of God that you'd have them to be. And just... Help this to instruct them in the areas that they need instructing in and in your son's name. Amen.